It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 708 at Newstalk WSB, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful in your garden landscape, or your garden or your landscape. If you have a houseplant question, call me. If you've got an outdoor plant, no matter what it is, vegetable, lawn, grass, tree, shrub, flower, anything you have a question about, you want to solve that question, know what to do with it, when to do it, why to do it. If you have a question that's complicated, simple, organic, synthetic, you name it, I have the answer. Generally speaking, generally speaking, I have an answer for you. Based on science, based on research, based on a little bit of my own experience and killing plants very effectively sometimes. And all you have to do is call me, 404-872-0750. Crystal Wheeler is here screening calls in Ashley Frasca's absence. Ashley is, I think, taking a well-deserved weekend off. And our number again, 404-872-0750. John is out in East Cobb, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Love your show. Oh, thank you, John. Hey. Got a question. I used to live in New Orleans in the French Quarter and had a balcony, and I had plumeria in pods mm, on my balcony. Yeah. Little, little or no maintenance at all. I've got one here now because I missed them. It's about six foot tall, hmm. and I just need to prepare for winter. I mean, it's growing great. It's on my deck. It's in about an eight-gallon pot. And I even, as a matter of fact, just cut one of the spurs off, and I'm propagating it after it dries out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But I know winter coming. I've heard people say, "Oh, you can just stick it in the dark basement, and it'll it'll go dormant, and then it'll come back out." I I want to know really what to do with it because it's going to be a lot of trouble to move. I think. I mean, I, in, I don't mind in, doing it if it'll if it'll be okay in the dark basement where it's still warm. In this case, John, most people are right, as you say, as they describe it. You put it in a dark basement, let the leaves fall off. It just sits there and looks ugly for all yep. winter long, okay. and then in spring you bring it outside, a little bit of sunshine, then move it out to full sun after it's been, you know, in a little semi-shade place, okay. and the leaves pop out, and then the flowers pop out, and then John says, "Oh God, that plumeria smells good today." Yeah, there. I mean, I remember the ones when I lived in New Orleans; they were great, but of course, it never gets to the freezing point yeah, usually. Right. No, no chance one would live in my yard here in East Carolina. Not Colorado, yeah. a chance. Okay, not, not in my lifetime. Now, okay. global warming, even, as you know, may come up here and we may have... Right. You know, I don't even know what color this one's going to be, but it, a friend had it and just said, this thing, I don't even know what it is, and it was all crooked over in a pot, and I straightened it up and put it in a new pot, and it's doing great, but I want to be prepared for when it starts to get cold. So, you know, John, okay, so it will go dormant. There are people out there who are wondering, A, what a plumeria is, but B, they're wondering about when you said, I took one of those spurs off and I'm letting it dry out for a minute. Let me say what a plumeria is. It's a tropical plant, very well known in Hawaii because they make lays out of the flowers, which are white with little sort of yellow centers. They are so fragrant. They are just the best smelling things in the whole wide world. Many times you find them sold as little, but looks like cigars, like for lack of a better word, about yep. the size of a brown cigar at fairs and you know home shows and things like that. And so, John, you broke off one of the little short limbs, and what are you doing with it now? 
I just kind of nipped it off. It's, it says to, online, it says to wait, you know, till it's about 12 inches. This one's only about eight, but I thought, well, if I'm going to get it going before it gets yeah. cold, I better do it. Yeah. So I just cut it off and it says wait a few days because it's almost like a rubber plant. The yeah. way it looks, it just bleeds this white rubbery sub latex. Yeah. And it says give it about a week to 10 days to kind of dry up at the bottom and then just stick it in a pot, water it one time and let it go. Yeah. And several weeks later, it should, you should be able to not turn it anymore and that lets you know it's got roots then transplant it into a bigger pot and like i say they're very low maintenance i yeah. never did anything to the ones on my on my patio in new orleans or in my backyard yeah easy 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 john you describe the process perfectly and just, just let it harden off for a while let, let the latex dry up at the end stick it in a pot water it once twice maybe all of a sudden, you got a new plumeria. Give it to all your right. friends, and that's what well, a lot of people can... do before winter. Is they'll break off limbs as you have. They'll do a lot of them and give them as Christmas presents to their to their friends. And yeah, family. I wish this one had more. It had that one little bitty, like you say, and it was about the size of a cigar. It was like a big cigar, but yeah. it wasn't probably long. I've seen them in New Orleans at the market where they're like. 10, 12 inches long, and they're really big around like a 50-cent piece, but hmm. this one was much smaller, so I'm hoping it's going to do well. I bet it will. I bet it will. Make, them, make it, make it smell you. good in East Cobb. John, thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Take care. You bet. We'll see you soon. we got, let's see, Jason here. Jason's in uh, Dunwoody and joins us. Hey, Jason, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Jason, what you got? Uh, how do I get rid of kudzu? How much do you have? Well, actually, I have none. My neighbor has quite a bit that is going up his growing up his trees that are uh, right on the property line, and yeah. it's starting to lean over. It's approaching my fence into my yard. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good bit. I mean, it's probably fourteen foot off the ground up in the tree. Ooh, yeah. And so, are you on good terms with your neighbor, or is this something he's attacking you with because he doesn't like you? What's what's your relationship? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're we're pretty good. They, they're just uh, they don't maintain their yard very well, but yeah. I mean, they're good people. Yeah. All right. Well, that's easy enough. Just approach them and say, you know, that that kudzu really can get out of hand if we're not careful. Can I come over in your backyard, chop it down, and then paint the stump where you cut it off with some Roundup, and the Roundup will be sucked down into the stump and it may re-sprout a couple of times, and of course, if you're good friends with your neighbors across, just say, and you may see me a couple more times looking for leaves to make sure it doesn't get out of hand anymore. But after you've chopped it and put a little anti-sprouting agent on it, and you could use Brush Be Gone if you wanted to instead of Roundup, then the kudzu, in your case, I think would be pretty easy to control. It's the ones, it's the folks who have two acres of kudzu, and you know they're trying to get oh, them out right, of the trees. Right. They're in trouble. But you don't sound like you're quite in trouble yet, Jason. But you can be if you don't get it under control now. So sooner rather than later would be my advice. Okay, so all the roots come from the, the ground. Once it grows up that high, it doesn't re-sprout or grow, grow off the tree or nope. anything? Nope, it's not a parasite. It doesn't connect to the tree. It just climbs over the tree to get the sunshine, smothers the tree to its weight and and uh, shading ability, but no, the root is where you control it, and that's what you want to keep from having any leaves on it using herbicide after you've chopped it down. Awesome. Thank you. Easy enough. Thanks for calling, Jason. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. One of the things that, <laughs> one of my treasured possessions, as a matter of fact, is a photograph of three guys standing out in a field of kudzu in Campbell County. Campbell County is a southern part of Fulton County. It used to be Campbell County, but when they went bankrupt, they merged them into, into, Campbell, into Fulton County. And the uh, 
photograph is surrounded by words that say, come and set up your dairy farm in Campbell County. We have plentiful kudzu growing here in Campbell County that your dairy cows would love to eat. It's signed by my grandfather, Walter Coward, who at the time was a big promoter of the folks in southern Fulton, Campbell County. And uh, he was promoting kudzu back then. So my family has a close association with the plant. John and Covington, let's real quick talk about your tomatoes. What's going on, John? Good morning, Walter. How hey, you doing? John. Doing all right. What's got? Well, I planted my tomatoes, my whole garden, on time back in March, April time frame. Yeah. And they grew up beautiful. And then immediately, one after the other, started to die in middle, well, middle June. And it would be like a two-day process. And then by two days, the whole plant was dead. Ah, okay. And so I got rid of them all, plowed it under, and I replanted two more tomato plants. And now that they're getting uh, two and a half feet tall now and starting to produce more fruit, the limbs, again, are the leaves are turning yellow and then spotty brown and then turning brown. And that's how it started before. So I'm afraid it's doing it again, and I don't know what's causing it. You possibly could have one of two wilts. There's a wilt on tomatoes called fusarium wilt. There's another one called bacterial wilt. Or you could have a real common leaf spot disease called early blight. And I'm going to let you, John, do a little Sherlock Holmes testing here and see which, if you have a wilt, I can tell you how to figure it out. It's easy. Get a plant that's died or dying in the process of dying, wilting, whatever you want to say, and cut off a thick branch and look inside, split it down the middle with a razor blade or a sharp knife, and look inside the pith of that branch. If you see brown streaks up and down inside the branch, that is fusarium wilt. If, on the other hand, you don't see the brown streaking, take the branch, put it in a cup of clear water. Warm water is better, and it needs to be a clear glass because you need to see through it. And if it has bacteria just streaming, just this big white rope of bacteria coming out of the branch, then you have bacterial wilt. Either one will cause the branches of the, of the tomato plant to wilt down, and it doesn't take about three days for the whole plant to become wilted. Um, both of them are soil-borne. Bacterial is a little bit worse, and it lasts in the soil for ooh, three or four years, probably fusarium, only a couple of years. You can buy plants that say on the label VFN, which means it's resistant to fusarium wilt. V is in Victor, F is in Frank, N is in uh, nobody. And so okay. the VFN tomatoes are the ones that are resistant to the wilt. If, on the other hand, it's early blight, the early blight is uh, yellow leaves that have spots all over them, and the leaves at the bottom of the plant fall off, and then they sort of progress up the plant as it goes. And early blight is easy to stop with a fungicide if you start before the disease starts. So look on my website for pictures of early blight, John. Look for pictures, if you want to, of fusarium wilt and bacterial wilt. I have pictures of all three. And you can do the little Sherlock Holmes test to see which one you have and take the uh, advice that I give on my website and do what you need to do to prevent it from affecting your tomatoes next time. Again, fusarium wilt, bacterial wilt, or early blight. At 719, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
Today is a reasonable day to take it easy. The quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security says that today the high will be 88, low of 72. Partly cloudy, so not terribly hot during the day. Isolated thorns, storms throughout the day. Tomorrow, high of 90 degrees, low of 73 with clouds and occasional storms. Take it easy, my friends. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got Margie in Lilburn who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Margie, good morning. Good morning. Um, I love your show. It's Thank like you. uh, listening to a friend on the front porch talk about what's <laughs> going on in the backyard. <laughs> um, the, my backyard is basically all hardwoods and some patches of different ground cover that I keep mowed into islands. Yeah. Uh, when I was walking around yesterday, there's a patch of my ivy that's literally dead. Nothing kills ivy. You know, ivy survives everything. But to describe it for you, it's matted down and the leaves are dark. Hmm. And um, it it almost looks like there's some webbing on top of it. Hmm. Well, in the same area, I found what I identified as a sage beetle. What is that? um, How big is is a sage beetle? I don't know. that. It was almost, I would say almost two inches it was big wowzers okay go ahead now i know that they live in dead wood i have a hardwood that since we've moved here 17 years half of the hardwood has been dead i don't know if it was struck by but the other half is strong and growing tall and and Mm. you know no changing in that tree but um today when i was just out there i found a light green which i identified with wings to be a cicada Okay, yeah, they're common. Is that possible? Sure. But what I'm worried about is, are there sage beetles in that tree now? Do you think in the one that's half? I would want to see a picture of that beetle before I take your word that it is a sage beetle. Again, Do you think it might be a pine beetle? No, they're not that big. Pine beetles are little bitty things. Little bitty things. No, this is big. This is big. If there's any way, Margie, that you can. Put the beetle. Do you still have it? I guess Do you still own it. The beetle. Yeah, and there was one. Yes. Put it and on a piece of newspaper or on a concrete driveway, or something gives you a very neutral background, and take a picture of it. And on my website, as you know, there's a little button on my WalterReeves.com website that you can press the button that says name that plant. But you can also su- see pictures of beetles or submit pictures of beetles. And I'll identify it for you. We'll figure out what it is. The ivy, I do not think, died from either one of the beetles. Ivy dies mostly from too much water in the summertime. And gosh, we've had plenty of water this summertime, Margie. So my bet is the ivy died from disease. The beetles are just there sort of accidentally, uh, by just accident being in the yard. But if you want to know what that sage beetle is, send it to me at Name That Plant at my website. 728, back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 737 and 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do outside, whatever you are growing or trying to kill, either way, I can help you do it. It Maybe something you just don't like, like kudzu, or maybe something you do like, you like less of it. Either way, give me a call, 404-872-0750. 
Jeff is down in Jonesboro in Clayton County. Joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, I, just south of uh, Fayetteville, there's this beautiful little piece of property for 25-plus years. I've gone down to get apples and talk to the family, and it, everything's changed, and it's very important for me to get a cutting off the apple tree oh. and make it root. Okay. So I need to, I need to make, I need your help in making sure I'm very successful. Hmm. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Rooting apples is not nearly as successful as grafting apples. And I know that grafting is intimidating. It's not terribly hard to do or to learn, but you need to sort of practice one or two times just to get it right. Cuttings on apples just are hard to get to make good strong roots on them and I'm trying to think how could I get Jeff a good apple tree from the one that he likes so much there in Fayette County what am I going to do I had a guy two weeks ago now I think Jeff who called and said that he had seen online I believe or on TV or somewhere a grafting tool that cut a perfect and I want to call it a, a, a picture puzzle piece where you put it on a branch about a quarter of an inch in diameter and you snap the limb, the handles together and it cut the top and the bottom of the grafting pieces so they made it together on the new tree that you graft to. And one of the things, Jeff, you might investigate, this is just investigation depending on how complicated you want to make the whole process, but realizing that making a cutting is going to be tough to be successful and you ought to investigate grafting. But look for grafting tools. They're not expensive, $25 maybe, and they are much, much, much more successful in getting a new apple to grow or your old apple to grow on a new plant. And to, to graft it to another apple, you simply go to any garden center, buy an old cheap apple or dig one up for your neighbor's yard or maybe you have an apple already in your property and just cut a branch that, um, or find a branch that's the same diameter as the one on the old tree that you're trying to propagate and you make a cut on the one in your yard and you make a cut on the limb that you have from the old apple tree in Fayette County and match the two together, wrap it around with, with tape and uh, maybe a little bit of wax on there and keep from drying out and lo and behold, it works just fine. And also so trying to aim, think, the, go ahead. I'm sorry, so the, 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 the uh, donor tree and the existing tree won't have as much effect on each other? No. No, generally speaking, not. You can graft to dwarfing rootstocks, but that's a more complicated process. And really, if you just graft an old common apple tree to another common apple tree, there's no effect of one on the other. Another thing, while you're down in Fayette County, Jeff, where did you say the apple tree is? Where did you say it was located? Honestly, it sits in your mom's front yard. Oh, that apple tree. Oh, we're talking about my mama's apple tree. I wondered if we were talking about her. Run yeah. over to Brooks. Uh, Jeff, you know how to get to Brooks from, from her house. Oh, yeah. And um, go over and ask Jim Rogers at Nearly Native Nursery and ask Jim if he has any uh, hints on propagating an apple tree because Jim has a lot of skills and uh, he may indeed have uh, a grafting tool right there. He may, you know, do it for you if you ask real nice. So Nearly yeah, Native definitely. Nursery in Brooks, ask Jim Rogers what he thinks about that and get that apple tree propagated. And that way you have all those apples. and. The deer down there in Fayette County will be <laughs> happy to see you because they certainly eat all Mama's apples for years and years and years. I had to go pretty high in the tree. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Jeff, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. We'll see you, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number on Lawn and Garden. 
if you want to get your question answered, this is I've got just about time to talk about two or three things this morning. One is tomorrow, is Sunday, and I'm looking forward to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution hitting the ground in front of my front door because the AJC has done such a great job covering the various uh, elections we've had this year. And they're now doing a great job analyzing the race for the governorship, whether Stacey Abrams or Brian Kemp is going to be the new governor and their uh, ads that they are doing against each other and for each other. So I'm really impressed with the political coverage there. The other thing is City Hall. Boy, Atlanta City Hall still seems to be a good bit of smoke, if not some fires going on down there. And that's really interesting to read as well. A summary of the national news comes into the Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So I just sit down and read the whole paper, read the comics and everything. It's Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They're compelling, they're complete, they're credible, and I really enjoy subscribing to it as I do. And you can join me or you can get the Sunday AJC from grocery stores and gas stations and things around town. The other thing I want to mention is that next spring I am going to Southeast Asia. I'm going to take a garden tour to Southeast Asia to go to Cambodia and to Vietnam, something I never ever in my life thought that I would do. But my tour company said, you know, we have a chance to rent a ship, a river cruise ship, and go down the Mekong River. Would you like to see if anybody in Georgia wants to go? And so, what's three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, I sent an email to people who had traveled with me before, and I said, would y'all like to go? You get first dibs on anything that I think of doing and places I want to go. Does anybody want to go? And within about five or six days, I already had 18 people sign up. Boom, 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 boom. And then over the last two weeks, we've increased that again to, I think it's 27 going now. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll probably fill up the whole ship. It's only about 35 or six, I think, that can fit on the ship. So we've only got a few more slots left on our trip to the Mekong River. We're going to Vietnam. We'll see the uh, Anchor Wat in Cambodia will go to the killing fields. I think that'll be very interesting. You don't have to go if you don't want to, but there's some very, as you know, disturbing aspects of history in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, of course, being the central place that America is interested in. And so we'll see his history, cultural things. We'll see jungles. We'll see gardens. We'll see all sorts of things that I think would be very interesting, again, from the comfort of a well-outfitted, nice river boat going down the river Mekong River. So if you'd like to know more details about that, go to my website, walterreeves.com. It's the first thing on the first page. You'll see the details and you can see how to sign up for that. The trip to Vietnam, Cambodia. Did I ever think I would do that? No, I never thought I would do that. The other thing you can do on my website is to sign up for the newsletter. The newsletter is every other Thursday. I have all sorts of questions and answers and uh, pictures of things that people have sent me during the week. I just think it's a lot of fun. It is just a lot of fun for me to write. It's a lot of fun to post some of those questions and answers and show the pictures that I have of what's going on. The last issue this past Thursday is about growing figs. I have all the details of growing figs. I have had such a good fig harvest this year. Just hundreds, hundreds of figs, all in my dehydrator, dried out, put in plastic bags to enjoy during the winter time. So I had a great job with my figs this year. I have a description of the Cambodia trip. What else was in the news? Let's turn over the page here. I had, oh man, the clematis that I had no idea this was the case, but I did a little research. I found it is to be true, is that the clematis in the fall, the fall blooming autumn clematis can be very, very allergic making for a lot of gardeners. I didn't realize that because I never had an allergic reaction to it myself. But a woman said, I mow this vine, I break out all over my body with itches and welts and 
and things that just really erupt on my skin, is it true that clematis is an allergic forming vine? So it's just the clematis virginiana, the, the sweet autumn clematis is the one that, that has the allergic reaction. So I did a little research and found that out. I was really interested to find out that that is an allergic forming uh, uh, plant. The other thing I think will be interesting is that we're going to have a um, article about snakes, or there is an article about snakes in the, in the newsletter. And this morning at eight o'clock, Jason Clark from Southeastern Reptile, Ref Southeastern Reptile Rescue is going to be with us and answer some questions about snakes. So if you have a question about snakes that you want to ask Jason, or if you want to put it up here at, online at WSB, then you can. So just give me a call, 404-872-0750. And tell Crystal you have a question about snakes you want Jason to answer. I'll ask him when he comes on the air with us at eight o'clock this morning. That's Southeastern Reptile Rescue, the Facebook page. And Jason helps me to identify snake problems when I see them. And he, in this case on the newsletter, told me what the snake skin was that a guy found. I thought the guy had found a boa constrictor because it was so long. The snake skin is just like eight feet long in the picture. And Jason said, nah, man, that's probably just a rat snake there. Don't worry about it. It's not going to hurt anything. And so <clears throat> we'll have Jason on the line with us this morning around 8 o'clock and talk about snakes for just a little while this morning. It's 747 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Paul, where did you get in a God of the Vita? Iron Maiden, oh my gosh, that was uh, not Iron Maiden, Iron Butterfly. That was so long ago. I was 16, I think it was, when that was popular. We were going to make it to Mercer University in Macon and um, just being so impressed that all the college kids in Macon were, were playing in the God of the in the halls of Mercer University when I was 16. But what am I talking about? Actually, I'm talking about the weather. Today, a short weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. High of 88 degrees, low of 72 overnight. Partly cloudy, isolated, isolated storms throughout the day. Tomorrow, high of 90, low of 73 with clouds and occasional storms tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I think real quickly we can get John in here. John's out in Tucker, Georgia, and just now joins us. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning. What you got, John? We got violets in our fescue oh, along man. with thatch. Yeah. How yeah. do you treat it? Violets are actually not terribly hard to control in fescue. Um, in fact, I would say that violets, given the right uh, combination of you know, your persistence and a little application of a chemical weed killer, I think we can kill them pretty quickly. I have gotten very, very good control of violets using the Bayer Advanced uh, season-long weed control for lawns. So I've done it nicely with my, with that stuff. But the same, almost the same chemical is in the Weed Be Gone Max that Ortho makes, the Weed Beater Ultra that uh, Bonide makes. Any of those three, the, the Bayer, the Ortho, or the Bonide product, have just about the same identical chemicals in them and are very effective against broadleaf weeds, and particularly, in my case, against violets. I'm 
just for the fun of it, sprayed some of it on a patch in my neighbor's backyard that was just covered up in violets in his St. Augustine. And man, John, within two weeks, you could barely find a violet in the whole patch. They were all dead. The violet leaves all crinkled up, turned yellow, and looked really sick. And so that was the end of that story. You're suggesting spot spraying? Yeah, it depends. I guess if you had a full lawn full of it, then you'd spray over the whole lawn. But spot spraying, if you just got little patches of violets here and there, yeah. About the thatch in the fescue, when do we attack that? How how do you know you have thatch? What's the symptom of what do you see? Well, there's a lot of dead grass in the bottom of it. How often are you mowing? Weekly. That should be enough, right? I don't know why you would have a whole lot of thatch accumulating there because fescue typically mowed frequently, and weekly is about right. Um, there's enough time between the mowings for the clippings to decompose. So the only, you know, you can either rake it out. That's obviously one, one option. Not that you want to do that, John, because there's a lot of work to rake thatch out of a lawn. There's yeah. the dethatcher. One of the things you might consider doing is the um, big box store down at the end on uh, Hugh Howell Road down there. Rinse a dethatcher and set it up real high so you're not getting down into the grass too deeply. But if you set that dethatcher up real high and run it across the lawn a couple of times, you can dethatch, basically take all of the surface stuff off and not tear up the fescue too much. And one of the things you can consider, John, is August right now, and September is a perfect time to reseed fescue. And you can combine the two jobs into one process. Use the dethatcher to rip up all the thatch out of your fescue. And it also makes really nice grooves in the soil for putting fescue seed down. So you can dethatch and reseed fescue at the same time in mid-September and call it a day. Be done with it. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, if you get the violets under control now and read the right. label and make sure how long you have to wait before reseeding. But I think if you do the violet control now and wait four weeks maybe before you put seed down, you're in perfect position to have a pretty little lawn in the wintertime, John. Very good. Thank you very much. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks right. for calling, John. It's 757 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more lawn and garden and snakes at 8 o'clock after the news.